Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball and I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. Today we're doing a special crossover episode with Lockdown Lakers, hosted by our own Anthony Irwin. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about the season in review for Anthony Davis. And then in part B of the crossover, we're going to talk about next season and what that might look like for Davis and the Lakers. So, Anthony, you ready to go? <laughs> Lot, lot of Anthony Davis talk, a lot of Anthony Irwin talk. Me talking is what I mean. Um, we'll just <laughs> get get ready for for a double dose. I'm looking forward to it. The last show that we did was super popular, so we have uh, we 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 screwed up. I always say that I set the bar super low, mm-hmm. and then you know stumbled drunkenly over it. Um, <laughs> we, we we set the bar you know a little higher than that. So we I, I actually we actually have to pick our feet up this time. Well, it's, it's a good thing because we didn't actually talk about Anthony Davis in last week's episode. We talked about all of the fun moments of the Lakers season that did not involve the superstars. Yeah. But uh, at a certain point, I think Anthony Davis is the most important player on the Lakers heading forward in this franchise's oh, arc. Absolutely. So <laughs> maybe we should spend some time talking about him. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, I mean, you may have heard the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis about a year and a half ago. It was controversial. Um, not so much the acquisition of Anthony Davis, but the process it took to get him. Mm-hmm. I think he expressed his interest in coming to the Lakers as early as what December of 2018. And it was just a long, um, arduous, arduous process that, you know, mud resulted bit. in a lot of hurt feelings, uh, <laughs> some, uh, valid and invalid criticisms of the Lakers front office and what they were doing, but the Lakers got Anthony Davis. He started the season in the Los Angeles Lakers uniform. He ended it in the Los Angeles Lakers uniform. It ended pretty well for the Lakers and for Davis. Uh, but let's start at the beginning. Uh, so the Lakers traded what? Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the number four pick in the 2019 draft, mm-hmm. two more number one picks, and two more swap rights. Uh, mm-hmm. There are like lots of details regarding the protections of those picks. I think the general idea is two more picks, two more swaps. Uh, essentially making it so the Lakers can't trade another first round pick until 2027, if I'm interpreting it correctly. Um, So they basically traded their entire first round war chest for the upcoming decade to the New Orleans Pelicans. (laughs) Uh, In addition to their last, you know, few first round picks, except for Kyle Kuzma. And then in a separate deal, they routed, or I guess as part of the deal, they routed Mo Wagner, Jamario Jones, and um, who's the third guy? Thomas, no, no, Thomas Bryant was already in Washington. Oh, Isaac Bonga to Washington oh, man. Uh, to clear more R. room R. for Bunga. veterans who they thought would be ready to contribute right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not a fan of that part of the deal at the moment. It turned out to be correct. It, Rajon Rondo mm-hmm. and uh, Dwight Howard were infinitely more productive for the Lakers. Well, and, they, and the original intention there too was to be able to open up room for Kawhi. Right. And that's also why Anthony Davis uh, waived his trade kicker so that the Lakers could mm-hmm. keep open that salary cap space. But I think like those guys were making such minimal quantities that it was more about the roster room, the the Washington guys. Uh, yeah. Just because the Lakers felt they were in a position where we don't have the time to develop young guys right now. Mm-hmm. And I get it. They were not on that timeline. Washington After is. hiring the best developmental guy in the NBA. He just got to spend all of his time with Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> worked on Caruso. <laughs> it worked on the three little boys who got to go to the bubble too. Little Dion, <laughs> little Ronjo, and little Dudley. I look forward to that paying dividends, you know, 15 years down the line. Yeah. 
<laughs> little Rondo might have developed some early drinking habits. <laughs> <laughs> Those are Martinelli's glasses. <laughs> which, which I'm a little nervous about. But hey, I've, I've been able to fight through my early drinking habits. We, we're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the Lakers basically cleared out their whole roster, most of their future to acquire Anthony Davis. Uh, I, I, think, I think it was the right call. <laughs> yeah, so my, my thing was you do what it takes to land a superstar like Anthony Davis under normal circumstances, but one that especially wants to be a Laker when at his age, by the way, what is he? 27, 20, 27 years old, plenty of time ahead of him. Uh, same, same, same thought process, you know, basically Mookie Betts is lighting the world series on fire. Mm-hmm. The same thing. You do what it takes to, to get a player of that caliber and, and, while that was the case and while I still obviously believe in that, I just thought that the Lakers were kind of uh, they, they were they, the only other person in that bidding process was the Lakers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the Celtics weren't interested in uh, inserting Jason Tatum into any deal. Uh, the New York Knicks didn't have anybody or any kind of asset that could rival what the Lakers were offering. Uh, so I, I thought that given the situation, I didn't think the Lakers needed to give up as much. But at the end of the day, uh, even even as you're looking at so much of their draft uh, war chest devoted to that trade over the next you know five, six, seven years, uh, you still make that trade ten times out of ten especially now with hindsight it it work where the Lakers won a championship it doesn't matter they could and 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 unless you think that for some reason the Lakers are going to fall off of a cliff and are going to wind up swapping the that first pick swap and that the 2024 uh or or potentially 2025 first round pick is going to be a high lottery pick I think the, the the Lakers can can probably definitively say that they probably won the deal. You know, there's there's a lot of work for New Orleans to do. And by the way, David Griffin might not even be doing that work. Like that's the we don't we don't know this for sure. So uh, the the Lakers, you know, you win when you can control the winning, and that's they acquired Anthony Davis and and now have him to pair with LeBron James is one of the better duos the league has ever seen. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that you can win the deal while also losing the negotiation, which I think yeah. is what happened yeah, with the Lakers, right? Because like you said, they were essentially bidding against themselves. And, but the fact that they had, you know, LeBron James under contract sort of made it necessary that they had to get a deal done because yeah. it's just not feasible to waste another year of LeBron James's, I'm going to say prime because it still feels like we're in it. Mm-hmm. Um when the first year had been spent him throwing dirty looks at Lonzo Ball and Brendan Ingram and, you know, just it's generally like, having an unpleasant experience, I would say. Te- technically, they could have waited for Anthony Davis to become a free agent this upcoming year. But then we miss out on all of the fun that we had this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and even there, if you wait around that long and LeBron is that frustrated by uh what the kids were doing and what they probably would have been doing this year and, and yes like Brandon Ingram obviously won the most improved player award so maybe he takes another step forward maybe Alonzo Ball takes another step forward uh but but 
you definitely aren't walking away with, with the championship that the Lakers won this year. And, and you're, you're potentially pissing off LeBron to the extent where he says, cause he has a contractual decision to make at the end of next season, mm-hmm. right? He can opt out. And so you're basically saying at that point that the, the, you, you land Anthony Davis and you pair him with all these young guys and maybe they can use all those young guys to acquire whatever other player that they want to, that they might be looking to acquire. And maybe they win this upcoming championship, but you're putting a lot of stock. That is a giant gamble considering both guys could potentially opt out. So I think, you know, again, like you said, I think you said it perfectly. Uh, you can, you can win the, the actual trade, but lose the negotiation and, and, and not really have an optimal process in the way of, in, in the way of acquiring them. But even there, like when you're talking about that process and stuff like that, they won a championship, yeah. you know, it, all the, all the, all of my whining about process and all that stuff. It doesn't really matter. They won a championship. Yeah. The thing is I was less in favor of the deal at the moment because I mean, I didn't watch as much of the Pelicans as, you know, I watch mm-hmm. of other teams. I think most people feel that way. And uh, Anthony Davis's last season in new Orleans, he wasn't playing very much, right? Like there was that memorable game where they came to LA and I want to say the Lakers won on a game winner and they just like pan to Anthony Davis on the bench with like this smirk on his face, right? As if like, (laughs) I'm not sure who to root for here. I had kind of forgotten how good Davis was. Like I remembered him being, you know, generational talent, number one pick in the draft coming out of Kentucky. He was fantastic at Kentucky. You know, he's had a, had that nice playoff run in 2018 where they just, you know, beat the pants off of the Blazers. And then even like, you know, put up a decent fight against the Warriors, which I do think taking that Warriors team to five games is a decent fight because it's a historically yeah. talented Warriors team. Right. Um, but I didn't realize how good Davis was on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. I, I'm not sure you ever really get that feeling about a player unless you watch them every day. And I was just blown away by how good he was on both ends of the floor. I did not expect him to have this level of impact. And I, I should have considering how much the Lakers were willing to give up to get him, but it's, it's strange. Like, you know, it's, he's just surprises you with how gifted he is in every aspect of the game. And it just got better and better as the season went on. Yeah. I, I was, I was on the Anthony Davis hype train pretty early on. Cause at the time when he was a rookie, I was in this like super nerdy keeper league in mm-hmm. it for, for the NBA. And I, you know, I had drafted LeBron James first overall and I think I reached for Anthony Davis with my second round pick, which is a reach for a rookie, given mm-hmm. the kind of talent that was everywhere else. And by having LeBron and Anthony Davis on my fantasy team, that played a pretty big role in just ending the league. So <laughs> <laughs> again, it's it's defunct. We don't we don't do that league anymore. People didn't want to do it anymore because those guys were having such great seasons. And I thought, well maybe the Lakers could end the league here too. Uh, you know, and, and in some ways, according to Twitter, they did. Uh, but, but I, I think even, even with that said, like you're saying is completely true where you never really realize how great a player like Anthony Davis is until you see him night after night after night. And, and, and that I think is the part that I enjoyed the most was, uh, 
sure. He'll have his off nights offensively and, and he'll, there'll be nights that drive you crazy because he's shooting these fadeaway jumpers over six, five PJ Tucker, you know, it's <laughs> yes. Those nights are going to happen, but the defense was pretty consistent and it was, it was pretty epically consistent where every single night he's making these spectacular defensive plays that even the most casual fans are paying attention to when most casual fans don't pay attention to defense and uh, to, to, you know, to have that kind of af- uh, impact on, on defense that also sets a tone because I got, I, you know, I, I think not to, not to disparage Kyrie and not to disparage uh, Kevin love, but LeBron could kind of coast on defense because the other stars weren't doing anything special on defense either. Right. But if Anthony Davis is your other star and he's doing, and, and, and in my opinion, should have won defensive player of the year. If he's having a defensive player of the year kind of season and you're kind of coasting on that end too, it's that much more obvious when you're doing it. And I thought, you know, it, 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 it got LeBron to focus on that end. And when your two stars are setting that kind of tone, that, that tone, that identity helped carry the Lakers through this postseason run where by the time all of those series were ending the teams that they were playing against just looked kind of demoralized just beaten up sad i don't want to do this anymore (laughs) they were just like shells of themselves by the time the series were over the denver nuggets were the most resilient team in the nba by quite a bit what one two series coming back from three one deficits and by the time uh, the, the, the fifth game came along for, for the Lakers. You just saw all their shoulders. just like, Oh, and Jokic already looks like, I didn't think his shoulders could go any lower. <laughs> and he was still just, Oh man, this sucks. Dwight Howard's beating me up every night. Markeith Morris is like kneeing me in the shins for some reason. And then while all that is going on, Anthony Davis is this freaking pterodactyl vampire thing that is flying all over the court doing things that people his size shouldn't be able to do. It's funny because at the start of the season, uh, LeBron was saying that he wanted to get AD an MVP award and uh, AD was challenging him by saying, oh, I'm going to get LeBron on all defense, you know, and that obviously like ended up swapping. But the fact that he was able to get LeBron to buy in, like you said, after just, you know, taking a few years off on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it's one thing, like you said, your mistakes are more pronounced when there's somebody who's working so much harder next to you. But I also think that like, it helps that LeBron's effort was rewarded because yes, yeah, defense has point. to be played as a team, right? So if mm-hmm. LeBron is doing good things and then, you know, Kyrie screws up on his man, his effort doesn't get, you know, it doesn't pay off, right? Like the, the other team still scores, but LeBron knows in this situation that if I do my job, everyone else is also doing their job. Mm-hmm. So our team benefits as a whole, right? Like there's more willingness to buy in because you know that everybody else is doing their part. Uh, and, and that, that was leads to transition buckets. And exactly. That leads to, it leads to, you know, I wrote the article for, for silver screen. I went back and wrote the article and I just said, you know, that those transition opportunities where you're seeing LeBron sweep through the air and, and those really cool moments where remember uh, Caruso took like a layup and LeBron tried to block him. Remember that? Like it's just that that kind of stuff doesn't happen if you don't also work your ass off on defense and you don't get out uh, often enough to to be able to enjoy those moments on in transition and the Lakers, you know that they aren't able to do that. No other team in the league, quite frankly, is able to do that with the way that 
Anthony Davis can a defend and then b transition to offense. Cause like you look at the other guys who have that kind of impact, Giannis is, is, is in that class, but like Rudy Gobert, yeah. if he's blocking somebody at the rim, it's probably some like ugly verticality thing that doesn't really ignite the break in the same way that Anthony Davis rotating out on the perimeter contesting at the rim also grabbing the rebound and then once he grabs a rebound he can take either a couple dribbles and find somebody else or is is flexible and and uh physically capable of turning in the air and finding okay there's lebron and now we're running you know there's rondo and now we're running it's it's, it's just it, it was it was and by the way, he could get better next year. Yeah. Like that's what's insane. <laughs> he's still, you know, he's entering his prime and, and he could very well get better next season, not just individually, but by what uh, LeBron and he are going to be able to do offensively just by, by spending more time together. Yeah. I think my favorite possessions of those were when he was contesting on the perimeter and he would just keep running and somebody yeah. else would get the rebound and just, you know, hit him like a wide receiver ahead of all the defensive backs. And there's just mm-hmm. nothing anybody's going to do. Cause like, even if somebody's there guarding him, it's a perimeter player and he just dunks <laughs> right, yeah. all over his face. Right. Like there's nothing you can right. do about it. Um, lot of business decisions. A lot of business decisions. Yeah. But you, you mentioned this earlier, right? Like the, the defense just like didn't take any days off during the regular season. And even though offensively there were some moments where it was, it was reasonable to be a little bit frustrated with some of his decisions. He took a lot of jumpers, like, a lot more jumpers than I thought he was going to be taking. I mean, LeBron is like basically excised mid-rangers from his game. He's very much a three-pointer in the paint kind of guy. And Anthony Davis just loves his little mid-range fadeaway. You know, uh, I understand it's a very good shot for him um, in the playoffs, particularly like that was money just over and over again. But uh, what was cool about Davis was just watching him progress over the course of the season, because, you yeah. know, you saw him in that first game against the Clippers. And I, I remember Doc Rivers and the coaching staff had made a deal with the Clippers that like they would all get um, an extra bonus if they didn't get, um, they didn't let 80 spin off for one of those lobs, you know, where he like, mm. you know, uh, and they didn't. And, um, you know, 80 had to settle for a lot of jumpers in that opening night game and it didn't go well for the Lakers. And then you saw him just progress over the course of the season where he just refused to be pushed away from his spots, right? Like he got mm-hmm. to wherever he wanted to go. And yeah, sometimes that was mid rangers, but most of the time it was very close to the basket and he, when he wanted to take the shot, he took the shot. He wasn't being forced into anything by the defenses. And that was so impressive to watch him develop that control over his game that he was going to dictate the terms, you know, of how it was going to go. And again, it was the kind of thing that like, I didn't know he had, I didn't know he was capable of that, but he, I think he grew, you know, over the course of the season, being able to watch LeBron and, you know, the way he gets to his spots, he also was able to make defenses bend to his will. And it's, it's cool, you know, to see guys who are, already stars find new ways to become just invincible almost (laughs) yeah it seems unfair doesn't it right like it it seems kind of unfair that that somebody so talented is is also capable of growing on the fly yeah like it just seems like if i'm if i'm like jared dudley for example and i see i look at anthony davis and I watch him grow over the course of the season, I'm telling the basketball gods to bleep off because this is just mean. (laughs) He shouldn't be able to keep getting better. And yet you're absolutely right. He did. And actually one of the things, I don't know if you want to take a break before we get to it, but one of my favorite things about, uh, about the season was that it actually remade me 
it, it forced me to rethink the concept of, if not the regular season itself, but the value from it. You know, we, we saw the Lakers utilize the, the regular season in ways that I don't, I don't know if, I, I mean, it might, it might, part of it might be because like the Lakers have sucked for, yeah, for so sure. many straight regular seasons that I wasn't paying, I wasn't paying attention for it. But this team that very clearly had title aspirations uh, used the regular season to hone the way that it went on to win an NBA championship. It was, it was fascinating to watch that. And, and I think uh, Anthony Davis was kind of the central figure in that where those post-up possessions that drove us insane because, you know, during the regular season, the, the most efficient way to, to score with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and to a lesser extent, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard is just to, is just aerial assault, right? Just, just throw the ball to 13 feet and up and very few other teams are going to be able to contest you there. And instead of just relying on that solely over the course of the regular season, which might have won them a couple games, a couple extra games here and there, they actually did feed Anthony Davis. They did, they did give him the looks to be able to be comfortable and come playoff time. And now maybe it's, maybe it was just a fluky, super hot stretch for Anthony Davis where uh, I'm looking at his playoffs numbers, uh, his field goal percentage on two pointers by the end of it. There's no way that's true. <laughs> it says 83%. No, that's seems, all right. Sorry. There's no way that's true. <laughs> I'm going to have to look this up now. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here. Let, let's take a quick break and then we'll come nice. back and uh, talk yeah, about Anthony Davis's shooting percentages. <laughs> All right, we're back to talk Anthony Davis and his marvelous 2019-20 season with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, he's shot remarkably well during the postseason. It was, uh, like you were saying before the break, a little bit of a payoff for all of the times that the Lakers fed him in the post when it seemed like it was only leading to bad outcomes. He was on just a great heater during the playoffs. I mean, yeah. every time he faced up against, you know, whether it was Paul Millsap or Jeremy Grant or P.J. Tucker or Robert Covington or, I don't know, who was even guarding him in that Denver, that Portland series? Was it like Wayne and Gabriel? <laughs> the <laughs> answer is nobody. nobody. <laughs> uh, he just, he had it going. And I think you make a really good point about how the reps that the Lakers gave him during the regular season, even if it wasn't always comfortable, really made a difference because he just knew what he wanted to do in those situations uh, later down the line. Like I think about, the regular season games against Houston a lot because Davis just never looked comfortable when he was um, operating out of the post against Houston. Like the little guards would come in at him and they would force him into a lot of turnovers and mm -hmm. he just wasn't able to see the court on the double. Uh, that really wasn't a problem in the playoffs, right? Like he had so much experience handling out of the post, you know, taking in double teams. He was able to make the right reads out of those, the right passes out of those most of the time. Like I think his turnover yeah. was not an issue there. Um, and it was actually executing the passes too. Like, exactly. He looked a lot more on balance with all of that stuff as well. Yeah. So you were saying he shot a good number <laughs> did, on two for two pointers in the playoffs. Did, did not shoot 83% on two point. It felt like it. If you uh, ask, if you ask the opposing fans <laughs> that felt like he was shooting <laughs> 83%. I'm seeing 60.9% here, which is still excellent considering <laughs> how many jumpers that guy takes. <laughs> yeah. Well, he took, yeah, he took 83% of his jumpers. He 83% of his shots came from two point range and he shot 60% on them. Like that's where, 
that's what in, in, you know, in the playoffs, that's a giant market inefficiency, right? Because defenses mm-hmm. aren't tailored to take that shot away. They're tailored to give that shot. And then when you're, when you're taking that shot and making it at, at such that such a high rate, it's, it makes you damn near impossible to guard. And um, the thing that I was also going to say about the, the way that the Lakers approached the regular season, especially um, with, with AD specifically compared to other teams is like, and this, we might see this again next year where Milwaukee just rips off like 70 wins or whatever they might win next year. And, and people are still going to look at them like frauds because well, like, when are you, when are you actually going to add to your repertoire to be able to throw a counter punch come playoff time when the team takes away your, your best option, you know? And uh, same goes for, for Houston and, and whereas the Lakers, they knew what their best option was and, and they sharpened that blade over the course of the season too. But while that was going on, they were very focused on, or, all right, we got to get Rondo up to speed. Mm-hmm. We have to figure these things out. With AD, you, you, you make a, a, a fantastic point about the way that he handles double teams. We have to make him more comfortable than he appears, you know, especially early in the season, early in the season, that was a big talking point for, for Pete and me after some of those games, it was mm-hmm. like, is he ever going to figure this out? Because, yeah. and it's wild because he was a point guard, right? That's what they always talk about him is that he was this point guard who grew miraculously and maintained his guard skills. And one of those guard skills you would think is passing. Right. <laughs> and, and, and yet that was, that was a major point of frustration over the course of, especially the early season. But over, you know, as the season progressed and as he got more reps on that stuff, he started to look more comfortable. And then by the time the playoffs rolled around, he was, I would probably say, like 30% better, you know. And then and then over the course of the postseason, and especially over the course of the series, it felt like he got even better, you know. And and that's where, I, you know, if I, if I was to look ahead to reasons why I think he's going to be – I have him as my MVP favorite for next year. Uh, it's it's for that reason right there that where that improvement happens is is in the film room. It's in preparation. It's in practice. It's it's in preparation in the middle of the regular season um, and and during those regular season games. And watching him do that was probably my favorite you know kind of running trend over the course of the year. I mean, I just. I think there's like no better way of like singularly encapsulating that than like the last game before the hiatus, they played the nets and the Lakers set up this game winning three pointer for Anthony Davis and he misses it. And then lo and behold, he gets a very similar opportunity in game two against Denver. And he just, Mm -hmm. it just drains it. Right. Like bottom. Exactly. And like, we saw this progression of his shooting ability over the course of the season, right. He shot, I think, 33% 33% on threes in the regular season. And then that bumps up to 38 during the postseason. Like this dude's a six eleven defensive player of the year candidate. And he's shooting 38% on a high volume of threes. Like, what are you supposed to do about him? I don't, I just feel bad for opposing teams. He just seems unschemable. Yeah. Uh, but he's a cheat code. He's a cheat and, code. And, you know, some of it, some of it might be, you know, the unique situation where, a lot of players were talking about the the sight lines being mm-hmm. a lot easier to shoot with uh, than shooting in NBA arenas. Um, I remember, you know, when I was playing in high school, we played at the 
Anaheim Convention Center and shooting in there. The first shot is like, like we're all warming up mm-hmm. and we all feel super badass because we're playing in this giant course, arena. Yeah. And and it was super empty because it's a it's a crappy high school tournament, but uh we're all like trying to look all cool. And my first attempt from three-point range, and I was a decent shooter, was just <laughs> nothing but air. Like, I couldn't it's tell like the first shoot five long. minutes of every like final four game when they're playing in the dome for right. the first time. It's just like, what is going on? <laughs> right, exactly. That's why you always bet the under in the mm-hmm. national championship is because for for that exact reason. So maybe that maybe that plays a role in in how great uh ad was was as a shooter uh being able to shoot in the seam arena by the way also for an entire like three month stretch mm-hmm. uh probably also helped there as well so you know some of this might be kind of outliers but even still it still happened mm-hmm. and we got to enjoy it and <laughs> and 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 the other you know the other teams uh, Boston, especially that didn't trade for him. Uh, they didn't get to enjoy it. No, they and, did not. And, <laughs> and, and, and I take even more delight in that. I, I almost feel bad for Boston fans that they lost out on this and Mookie Betts, but I mean, <laughs> oof, uh, gosh. I, I, I can't get enjoy it. that payroll flexibility guys. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but like the Boston Red Sox tweeted out that their luxury tax reset. <laughs> their whole whole fan base they had to delete the tweet like five minutes later and the whole fan base was up in arms they're dealing with like 20 percent unemployment and fantastic billionaires you don't have to pay a few extra bucks to keep one of the best players in the in in mlb and in major league baseball way to go guys and same goes for danny Ainge. it's like yes jason tatum is fantastic he's never gonna be anthony davis never He's, he's, he, he, he can't grow a foot. Like that's not something yeah. he's capable of doing. Yeah. And, and Anthony Davis basically like Pete said it really well one day after, after one of the games, he said, you know, we might have to start thinking about Anthony Davis as like a giant wing, you know, yeah. not necessarily, we can't limit him to just being a rim protector, but the way that he defends on the perimeter, the way that he handles the ball, if that passing improvement that we saw over the course of this season and, you know, continues on, uh, for the rest of his Lakers tenure, we probably should start thinking about this guy as a wing and, and not just strictly as a big. And if he's a wing, if we're thinking about him as a wing, he's in that Kevin Durant, LeBron James class of wing, Giannis class mm-hmm. of wing. And uh, if you can get a guy like that to, to, to circle back to what it took to, to acquire him in the first place, mm-hmm. you give up. They, Rob Polinka should call, uh, David Griffin right now and offer Offered another pick. <laughs> yeah, like, like, you know what, man? I'm really, really sorry. Here's, here's uh, Devonte Kaycock. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, like you can have, well, I won't say it because me, me will get angry at me and it's her birthday today, but here's oh, yeah. Taylor Horton Tucker. Save our little 19 year old or however old he <laughs> is. Yeah. It, what was your, did you have a favorite AD moment over the course of the year? I mean, it's definitely the game winner against Denver, but I'm trying to think if there was a moment during the regular season when it sort of clicked about how good he was. And the problem mm. is that the regular season was so long ago. <laughs> it was... this, the year was literally a year. Like I know. You usually say, um, 
you know, 2019, 2020 season. And it doesn't actually usually mean the majority yeah. of the 2020 year. I've been like, you know, writing 2020, 2021 for the next season. It's like, it's, it's not even going to be 20. It's just 21. We're yeah. not going to have this. Um, what was a great Anthony Davis moment from the regular season? Uh, hmm. He's pretty tremendous in those Pelican games, but a lot of that was LeBron versus Zion too. Those were fun. Yeah, I think, I think for me, my my favorite moment from from Anthony Davis, like the oh man, I forget who it was against, but he had a dunk mm-hmm. that, and it was like captured perfectly, and usually that that camera that is behind the backboard is high enough to catch everything that <laughs> is like at the rim, right? right. It's 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 device it's it's the entire purpose it is there the entire reason it is there is to catch these super athletes superhumans up at like the peak of their athleticism Mm -hmm. and even there ad's hand is is above the camera (laughs) and i remember thinking like this dude what (laughs) how does that and and i think it was like it was like in an alley-oop and it wasn't just that you know because like I would imagine most NBA players can out jump that camera if they're sure. just going straight up, mm-hmm. right? If they can, if they can just, I saw a video today where Vince Carter out jumped Yao Ming for a jump ball. Right. Um, and, and, but on this one, AD was like drifting across the thing. And as he's drifting, he's also elevating. And I just remember thinking to myself, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything I said about process, about trade and all that stuff. I, I, I kind of, if, if nobody is paying attention to anything else, I, I sounded like an idiot. I, I t- <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we got to have LeBron James, right. In 2018, 19. And even though he got hurt, like there was still some really special moments, um, mm-hmm. but there's just something different about having a guy like, as he's starting to figure out his powers, right. Like it's the beginning of the origin story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Like, he's, he's uh oh man, who's the guy? Miles. Uh, oh, Spider-Man? From, yeah. Um, Miles awesome. Morales. There you go. Yeah, he's like Miles Morales after he gets his like brand new suit and yeah. he's doing all his backflips all over the city. It, it, like we get we get that that yeah. Anthony Davis. He just got his brand new suit and he's doing backflips all over Miami yeah. <laughs> to win championships. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like obviously the Lakers have had stars for a very long time. You know, it's it's just the bread and butter of this franchise, but mm. I'm, I think like since, since like early Kobe, like this is the first time we had a guy like figuring himself out in a Laker uniform that he didn't just come here, like fully formed, like Shaq did, or, you know, Pow was, was basically what he was when he got to the Lakers. Like, obviously he fit in, but, um, Mm -hmm. oh man, it was, it was just a delight to watch him. And I, I thought like, you know, we're going to miss out on, you know, watching Lonzo develop and watching Ingram develop and, sure you know i guess we did but (laughs) this guy's cooler (laughs) right like we we get to watch the guy who develops to a higher place and skip out on all the frustrating stuff that i'm sure by the way that you know pelicans fans probably went through in early anthony davis years Mm -hmm. right and and again what's what's just so insane to me is after the season that he had he could very easily get better. Like there, there are very identifiable ways that he could get better. And 
there's nobody that he could possibly learn from more effectively than the dude who happens to be on his team and 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 who you know and I, I understand it like I, I understood where Kyrie was coming from where people were asking him like you know what's it like to have LeBron James is like older brother father I think did somebody say father figure I think someone did but yeah. that's not quite right <laughs> but he was like I have a dad yeah you know so I understand like I understand where Kyrie was coming from on that stuff but at the same time if you're trying to learn how to be a superstar in the NBA there is over the course of NBA history there is not a single person better to learn that from than, than LeBron James dude's been you know, we always talk about how tragic some child stars are. LeBron James was a child star. And and AD was one to obviously a much lesser degree. He hasn't he has never received that same amount of hype. But if he wants to reach that pinnacle, if he wants to really fully optimize his time, uh, not just as a Los, a Los Angeles Laker or or even an NBA player, but but just as a literal superstar. That, that LeBron guys is, is pretty good to learn from. And I can't wait to watch that relationship really kind of grow. Yeah, I mean, I think that's as good a place as any to stop. We can uh, see what Anthony Davis is going to become in his next year's Laker on part B on Lockdown Lakers. But this has been the Silver Screen Roll podcast. Make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts to our show. We talk about the Lakers every day of the week. And make sure you tune in to Lockdown Lakers to hear the rest of our conversation about Anthony Davis. Take care.